we want to catch up on the hundreds of thousands of households who are still in the dark and still cold after this week's ice storm. Uh, a half an inch of radial ice on a single span of wire can add more than a thousand pounds to that span of wire, and, and, which is really the equivalent of a baby grand piano. Crews for utilities across Michigan are working around the clock to fix downed lines, but this is becoming a distressingly regular event in spring and summer windstorms and in winter ice. At the same time, some utilities are telling regulators they need more resources to maintain current levels of service. It was a pretty severe storm event. We were over 20% of customers out in, in DTE's uh, service territory. With us today is Seth Geikema, co-director of the Center for Risk Analysis. He's also a professor of industrial and operations engineering at the U of M. Uh, I guess, first of all, the $64,000 question, does your house have power? My house does not have power. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Today, we're going to rev up our generator, pray for an internet signal, and have a quick chat about what we should expect from our power companies in major weather events like we've had this week. It's not as bad as like a really bad hurricane like we work on with some of the utilities in the southeast, but this was a pretty severe event. And icing conditions are in many ways even harder to restore power in because you have the icing, the weather, um, and then we got wind on top of it um, towards the end. So that makes it even harder to restore power. Can I ask, when utilities talk amongst themselves about the weather patterns in play today, do they talk about it in terms of, you know, this being something different than we've seen in generations past? Well, it it really depends on where that utility is and what they're seeing. Those that we talk about with hurricanes, yeah, there's discussion that they're becoming more frequent and potentially more destructive. When we think about our area, there's, there is this perception that perhaps icing events are becoming and could become more frequent and they can cause pretty severe disruption. But we've also seen really large outages from wind events in spring summertime periods, like you said in the introduction. Right. Um, do you feel like in terms of just the events of the past 24 hours or so, I certainly felt that we lucked out having significant melt before the temperatures dropped again last night in many parts of the state. Is that your assessment as well, that it, it actually could have been worse? It could have been much worse. We, I was watching the weather yesterday, and we saw the forecast for the winds picking up late in the day. So it was this race between, is it going to get warm enough to melt it off before the winds hit? Because if it had not melted and then the winds had hit with all that ice still on the trees, we would have had a lot more outages. Yeah. I want to ask you to gut check something. We were listening to a news conference from yesterday that DTE held in which a spokesman said that a ha he, he was making an analogy that a half inch of ice covering a wire on the poles is the equivalent of having a baby grand piano on that single span of wire. We saw ice amounts up to three quarters of an inch throughout southeast Michigan. And that's a level we have not seen in nearly 50 years. Is it possible for ice to be that heavy? Yes, ice is very heavy, and it also increases the um, apparent size of the wire so that the, when, when the wind hits it, there's a lot more wind drag on that wire as well. That's why it would have been particularly bad if the wind had picked up, but we still had all that ice. But yes, I could. when I went out and started our generator, I could hear trees crashing in the forest around us. That, that ice creates an awful lot of weight on branches, which then fall on lines and poles and do a lot of damage. Gotcha. 
Do you have a sense, right, as we're having this conversation of what percent of customers across the state have been out of commission? I mean, the numbers that we heard about on Thursday, it, it seemed like we were in the neighborhood of 700,000 plus when you count consumers, energy customers and DTE residential customers. Yes, that sounds about like what I was seeing as well. Mm-hmm. Is the pace of repairs uh, about what you would expect or hope it would be at this point? Well, when a utility thinks about how they're doing restoration for this sort of event, we've worked with a lot of different utilities on this. There's one part, which is the anticipating the event and getting crews in place ahead of time. And then there's the part, okay, once the crews are there, how do we prioritize and how do we go about it? I believe DTE is doing a as good a job as they can at um, how they work through these outages at this point. What would be interesting to look at later is how quickly they were able to ramp their um, crew levels up. Um, because this was an event that we could foresee coming, that there are models out there that will help utilities predict the impacts from these sorts of events. And how well did they utilize that to bring in crews ahead of time versus wait and respond after it happened? Mm -hmm. It's probably worth running through safety advice at a time like this. People may feel, okay, we're two days out from the worst of it. Maybe maybe, uh, things are starting to get back to normal now. What do you think folks should keep in mind if their neighborhood is still under repair? Uh, First one is stay away from any downed wires. Driving around Ann Arbor yesterday, there were an awful lot of downed wires. Um, Second one, give the crews space to work. Um, And if you're using a generator, keep it far away from any potential air intakes to your house. Those would be my my big three. For sure. You know, friends who visit from other countries love to wear me out in weeks like this, asking why it is that we don't bury power lines in this country. Can you maybe run us through some of the math that utilities do around the costs and, and benefits of buried lines? Right. And when we talk about um, undergrounding lines, we have to distinguish between new construction or bearing lines that are currently overhead. On new construction, the cost, dif- cost differential isn't as big. Bearing lines is more expensive than having overhead power lines. But if you have power lines that are overhead, and for the most part, they work fine, you occasionally get these storms that not, that take them out, you go restore it. To bury those lines, um, some estimates that I've seen that are pretty credible are around a million dollars per mile of line. So if you think about the benefit cost analysis on that and ask how often do these storms happen, how long is power out, is it worth that investment of a million dollars a line mile? And it's probably not uniformly the same benefit. If you bury a mile of line in a more dense urban area, a lot more customers benefit than if you bury a mile of line out in the country where I live. So it is a really expensive option. Um, Not that many utilities do it purely for resilience reasons. Now, if you're building new line, then the cost differential is not as big. And then it's a little bit different benefit cost analysis. Uh, Maybe this is a dumb question. I'm sure it's a distressingly high number, but how many line miles are there in Michigan? I am not sure in the entire state, an awful lot. <laughs> that would probably be something in the in the billions of dollars if we were to look at a statewide overhaul? Yes. I remember um, I lived in the Washington, D.C. area when they got hit by a hurricane. And there was a call to bury all the line miles or bury all the power lines in the D.C. area. And we did a, a, a basic back of the envelope calculation. And it would have cost somewhere between $2,000 and $3,000 per customer just to do the D.C. metro area. Are the state regulators willing to impose to have that cost imposed on consumers? I don't know. It's a large number. We need to take a quick break. More with Seth in a minute. 
Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee, committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status. Programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu. How many events per year like this might start to tip the math to the point where underground lines would make more sense, either in terms of new investments or existing lines? For existing lines, it's a difficult question because it it really comes down to how much do utilities value the outage? Uh, Because the utility is not bearing the full cost of the outage, but the utility has to pay the cost of undergrounding the lines. and it's, and it's an expensive change to make. For new development, there is an increasing amount of line um, th- that's going in underground. And the cost differential is, is not as big, so it's a little easier to justify it. But at some point, the state regulators are going to have to um, make a decision about what they think needs to happen, because ultimately they're going to have a lot of authority over what costs get borne by who in these situations. Are there ways to make the above ground lines that we do have more resilient? Yes. And the biggest one is pretty low tech. It's trimming trees mm-hmm. for any kind of a wind event or an icing event or a really large snow event. The trees cause a lot of problems. Um, this is one of the biggest maintenance costs that utilities face. We've done some research with utilities on tree trimming, and it makes a significant difference in the reliability of the, the power grid. People don't always like trees trimmed because they don't always come out looking pretty. Uh, but it does make a huge difference in the ability of a power system to continue, a above-ground power system to continue to work through an event like this. Sure. What do we know about tree maintenance and where some of the larger providers like consumers and DTE are with that? So after some previous outage events, DTE did begin a substantial tree trimming program. The challenge is that these are multi-year investments to get through the entire system with however many thousands of miles of line they have, takes time. My understanding is that they were partway through that uh, tree trimming um, campaign or utility vegetation management, more more properly named, um, and were making good progress. And they had made a lot of progress uh, on doing that. I'm sure this will continue, and I'm sure uh, regulators will be looking at that past investment and their progress through this as they assess what happened in this icing event. We learned today from a report in Bridge, Detroit, that DTE submitted a request for another rate increase on February 10th. And when I say another, just to give it some context, DTE did have a separate rate increase approved in November. There have been a total of eight granted since since 2010. Seth, I know that your expertise is in utilities engineering, not in the financial piece of this, but if you were a part of the Michigan Public Service Commission, what kinds of questions would you have before saying yes to a rate hike? I would be asking what they think the benefit is going to be to consumers in terms of increased uh, reliability of the power system 
and want to take a, a hard look at the data that they're using to come to those conclusions. Um, DTE has good data. They have a lot of experience with the system, obviously. And the question is, are, are they doing the appropriate things to increase the reliability of the grid for Michigan consumers? One more question before you go. Do you think there's anything to the perception frequently shared on social media, especially this week, that Michigan experiences more blackouts than other states do? There's actually data on that, and we'd have to go look at that data to see. Um, I, I think there are places that have more than us. I think we have more than some other places. It's partly a function of weather. It's partly a function, potentially, of our power system. Um, but I would hazard to guess that the southeastern U.S. actually probably has more just because they get more significant um, and severe weather more frequently. That's it for our podcast today. Today's episode was produced by our show's executive producer, Laura Weber-Davis. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Ronia Kabansag, Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Stay warm, stay safe, and we will see you next week when, hopefully, the power's back on. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.